everybody to episode 21 of the eat that was bad. That was really bad. Welcome to oh, episode. Were you, were you about to say Eternal Glory? Holy shit! <laughs> Welcome to episode twenty-one of Elo Punters. My name is Anurag Das, and I'm here today with Bob Wong and Daniel Goshel. Fellas, what's up? I'm feeling great. Feeling great. Yeah, ready to look at some new formats. It's like a new standard, but in every Eternal format. There was some big news. Today is Monday, February 15th, and it turns out there was a BNR announcement that we, you know, found out about last week, and yo, 15 cards got banned. One card got unbanned, which is probably one of the biggest upsets, biggest changes to just magic in general. Um, there's a lot to talk about today in Legacy, but let's get through some of the, uh, the, the rigmaroles and the stuff on Mahoos and things like that. First of all, thank you to our new patrons. We've got Ben, Shingo, Powell, Alejandro, and Henry. Also, don't forget, El at Ellie of the Veil is our editor, Liz. She does a great job making us clowns sound like, well, less clowny, but, you know, clowny enough. The right mix, you get what I'm saying. Uh, be sure to check her out on Twitter. Um, caster updates. Bob, how's your life been? Cool. Don't care. Daniel, how's your life been? I got to okay, bob me. You, you can go bob. Fine. What do you, do you oh, Let's hear it out. Let's hear it out for the people. They want to know. No, I got nothing. I, I just want to get dive into this announcement. So I'm good. I'm good. I'm just happy to be here and happy that, you know, I can play magic again. Nice. I, um, yesterday was Valentine's Day. Did you do anything interesting with your significant other? Uh, you know, don't want to talk about that on the podcast. I don't know if it is, you know, PG-13 appropriate. I made pasta with uh, Maha. We, it was like a TikTok trend uh, where you take like tomatoes and feta cheese and you like make it into a pasta thingy. It was actually delicious and very simple too. I'm going to run it back for sure. Um, but yeah, Daniel, if you don't have anything else, I guess we can get to it. Let's get to it. All right, so three cards have been banned in Legacy. You've got Arkham's Astrolabe, gone. Oko, Thief of Crown, gone. Dreadhorde Arcanist, gone. Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath was almost about to be, but it somehow survived. I don't know. The thing is, like, incredibly slippery, but it's gone in all the other formats, so a lot of interesting stuff to think about here. Where do you want to start? Bob? Well, let's, let's start with the first one you mentioned, which is your baby... Your firstborn child, Arkham's Astrolabe. You know, you lost Toph, but that was one one-mana artifact. You found another glove in another one-mana artifact. Uh, how are you feeling right now? Are you holding up as well as you, you know, sound? Or is it just as bad as the day Toph got axed? It's, it's all a facade here. Actually, I'm extremely lost right now in terms of, like, what I want to be doing next. You know... Oko Thief of Crowns, people talk about how like Snow like played that card and it was like such a problem. But I'm just gonna go into it and say right now that like Oko is not a card that I really ever cared about. Um I think the best example is like watching like Chase play the Strifo Pile deck, or just like the updated version. Like, dude doesn't play any Okos, right? And even to my latest list that I was playing, like I was trimming down from like three Oko down to two Oko down to one Oko. Like Oko is a very versatile and powerful card, but in terms of, like, Snow specifically, it's not it. I think um, Arkham's Astrolabe is definitely the card that, like, like melded everything together. Like, the fact that I could just, like, fetch up basics and never have to worry about Wasteland was definitely a big deal. Um, that being said, though, 
like I'm not I'm not 100% that like if I go down to three colors or two colors whether or not I'm gonna have to worry about it like even if I was playing like even if Oko got banned and Dreadhorde got banned I'd still be playing um Arkham's Astrolabe in some capacity in my three color deck it's just that good uh but now we need to start thinking about like what to do moving forward and I don't know I've got some ideas in my head things that I like but I'm not 100% sure like what's going to be the best strategy moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think you alluded to this, but it's, it's basically the color pie matters again. Uh, you know, you can play a four color or five color deck, but it comes with real costs now. And so you got to weigh those costs against playing like a, a three color deck with a more solid mana base. And then those three color decks, like you're not going to get to play every good card. So balance is restored to the uh, magic mana colors. Yeah. Maybe not balance, but um, you have choices to make. Yeah. Shall we say? And you can get more punished for bad choices now, too, which I think is uh, kind of important, right? Like, it's the, it's the idea of agency. So, this is kind of something that I want to talk about real quick is like, I, I think we all like understand, we're all frustrated with Oko and, and, and Dreadhorde and, and uh, Astrolabe. But I feel like the real reason that I didn't like any of these cards was because of how it just removed player agency from games that's just like the the keyword that i use to describe it like they just take away too many options you know what i mean or they're just too good at what they do so i'm not upset that um not that that they're, that they're gone like oko for example like you literally have to play like one of two cards or something like that to, to handle it or play in a very specific way like where you overwhelm the board to like attack oko down before it can do things and even then it's still very very hard or like, like chalice of the void for example which is a really good punish to a lot of the decks that housed oko wasn't even playable because of it and same thing with like dreadhorde arcanist right like it just like it's like it's not it's not like a swiss army knife right calling dreadhorde arcanist a swiss army knife is too kind to the card it's more like a swiss army bazooka you know what i mean that can just like literally draw cards through ponders and preordains kill things with like fatal push and lightning bolt and like i don't know like thought sees too if you're into that kind of thing but like I, I don't know now it just feels like people's decisions are going to matter a lot more both the players that are you know losing these cards and both the players that are used to play against these cards i think uh the 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 scale is going to tip largely back to balance, and I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. um, Daniel, do you have any predictions for kind of uh, what shards or wedges are going to be good? I know you know before all of this fire nonsense. <laughs> if you can think back that far, I, I barely can. But uh, you know, Grixis was kind of an up and coming deck. Um, Miracles was usually Jeskai, and that was kind of the default control colors. Do you think we're still we're back to that, or do you think people still play Bant, Control? Um, I'm just curious what where Blue Control is going to go from here, and I want to hear your takes and then on our takes. Yeah, oh, for all for specifically Control, it'll definitely be kind of interesting uh, the way you fit in Uro. I mean, to go back to what Anirag was saying earlier, he was saying that like Oko didn't really feel what I cared about in Snow, and I think part of that was because Uro was just like a better win condition and like Anirag was saying like when I mean this is just kind of going back to uh Earl like when you have Earl it kind of makes your deck like what you can do in the format feel less relevant like Earl I don't know if it's a good example but it's kind of like a bomb and limited where when you cast it everything else was irrelevant in the game and it's kind of the same in deck building like everything around Earl is just like weaker and less relevant so it's really like Oko really warps the format around him like some sort of a black hole or something sucking everything into him just because like i mean well we already know now it's just kind of like this premier win con so when at my point when i'm saying that is i i would imagine uro is like the most powerful control win condition in the format which would make me think you'd want to build a control deck 
that uses Uro. And so with Astrolabe gone, it's going to, you know, kind of make it interesting with the mana, especially because historically uh, control decks like to play red. But yeah, that, that I could see Bant if you want to do like a Miracles with Uro. Um, but also at the same time, um, some people are like talking about Stoneforge Mystic and like all these other threats uh, get unbanned. So like you might see like people playing Strifo kind of decks or you might see people like Strifo is a deck. He already plays Uro and I don't even know if he played Astrolabe in his deck because he had so many non-basics. So you know what I mean? You could you could just look at a, um, a, a, a Strifo deck or you could play a um, like a, how do you say like a Stoneforge kind of a deck. There's, there's definitely new options and and I think like Grixis Control might be like a pretty weak option. And also there's like these Yorion decks, but with Astrolabe gone, Yorion's just a lot worse because Astrolabe like free ruled this reward for this Yorion, where now your Yorion just drew extra cards for some some reason, which made... Can, can um, I be totally honest with yeah. you, Daniel? Mm-hmm. Stoneforge Mystic is not playable, right? It is just not. Like, let's not, let's not pretend... I that's... mean, is Death and Taxes playable? Yeah, okay, Death and Taxes is different, though, right? Death and Taxes has, like, Mother of Runes and Skyclave Apparition. Honestly, like, reducing Death and Taxes down to Stoneforge Mystic is, like, close, this close to just being, like, called slander and, like, libel. You know, you could go to court for that kind of stuff. I would not. I would well, not I, call I'm saying you should just be more specific. You should say, like, Blue, White, X, Stoneblade is not playable, but um, Stoneforge Mystic itself is obviously playable. Okay, wait a minute. I'm, also, I'm not also saying D&T is playable yet either. I mean, I have very slanted views on that deck, and I think uh, not playing Brainstorm is just kind of, like, but I mean, DNT uh, with the the right like the with the diamond hands is going to be like you know just a very good deck. Uh, I just I just feel like <clears throat> Stoneforge Mystic. Fine, Stoneforge Mystic in blue decks is is a is a joke. I will I will no, I, maintain I that. Stance. Okay, might be. I would say I would say Stoneforge Mystic might not be good enough, but I definitely right now don't feel confidently it won't be good enough because if you look at the format over the past two years, like I felt Stoneforge was pretty reasonable around like um 20 like well i would say so one thing about legacy is i think from 2014 to like when death right was banned in like 2018 death right was kind of the best thing to do in legacy and death right didn't pair that well with stoneforge mystic because it was kind of, so like that's why no, that period of time i feel like stoneforge mystic like was kind of this was a weird card in that sense but then after death right was banned um stoneforge mystic decks i felt were like reasonable in the format when when death right was gone because you didn't really want to come play like esper colors so to speak i think in legacy most of the time that's why like that's right and, and stoneforge didn't combine that well and i felt like what stoneforge was pretty reasonable a few years ago because what would happen is whenever you did play against a blue deck it was just stoneforge was like really strong against like chalice decks and eldrazi decks and like decks like death and taxes and like not elves but kind of elves i guess stoneforge is probably pretty good against elves because you get jitte or whatever um and you know, Alora Shelly Shepherd is definitely a new card that's gonna that we haven't you know that's gonna be interesting. And so I I don't know that Stoneforge sucks. Like, why does it suck? Like, is there new new powerful cards that make it worse? Like, is Uro just mean you don't want Stoneforge because you'd rather have Uro? Like, I don't know. Stoneforge I would say it doesn't look sucky to me. I mean, maybe it is, but it doesn't. I could definitely see Stoneforge being decent. Like, it seems it's just like a strong two drop. Like, it's about as high impact uh, you can get against. Like, it's not great. In, it's not like fantastic in Blue Mirrors, but it's pretty good against like the less interactive decks because it's just for the mana you pay in Stoneforge, it has such a big board presence against like Chalice decks, uh, Tribal decks, so on. Like, why would that's you say exactly what I was. Uh, that's what exa exactly what I was about to say, or at least transition to, is that if we wanted to make a case for Stoneforge Mystic, I think one of the key cards that is going to re-enter the format now is going to be Chalice of the Void, right? Like that card, like used to be some sort of like pseudo blowout, and then all the 
decks that normally Chalice would blow out started playing three main deck answers to the card in the form of Oko Thief of Crowns. And like, now that Oko is gone and Chalice, uh, you know, has some room to breathe, uh, I mean, do you, do you guys think that Chalice of the Void is going to be, be like a return to being like a mainstay in the format, a very good deck? I mean, well, I that's just, uh, like, it's way too general. Like, Chalice is not a monolith, as some of my, you know, Chalice playing friends like to say. Like, Four Color Realm is totally different from, like, Urza Echo, which is totally different from Eldrazi Stompy. So there will probably, like, wax and wane. There will be some good Chalice decks at any given point. And um, it, it, it basically shifts back and forth. But I, I do want to make the point that, you know, even before Oko, people were playing... Um, you know, things like a Braid main deck. And even without Oko, people have Brazen Borrower now. Um, like Delver players are probably going to default back to it. I think it's probably the best card in that slot. Um, a little bit better than True Name and, you know, Vendillion Click and anything else. So people are still going to have some answers to it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? Because True Name used to be like a relic of, of Delver, just in the sense that like it was the the top end, the trump that just sort of like would it be able to like close games just because of its absurd ability? And now, you know, Terminus isn't Supreme Verdict isn't just like the aren't the only two things. And like Plague Engineer is like a new card that, honestly, like I feel like if if True Name becomes the meta again, it'll it'll be a short period of time only because people will just recalibrate their decks, start playing Plague Engineer, and honestly, like losing your True Name to True Name to Plague Engineer is like such a massive tempo uh, switch that like it, it probably wins games. You know, if you can resolve that card by itself, so I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, True Name sort yeah. of like stay hidden for a long while. And and two things along with that, like you know, a we have Plague Engineer now, and True Name is usually with Stoneforge, so that makes Stoneforge a little bit worse. And then B, you talk about the tempo swing. Um, what is Stoneforge Mystic? It's basically you pay two mana one turn and then two mana the next turn to get a Batter Skull, like the vast majority of the time against an aggro deck. That's typically what you're doing. And so basically you're p putting four mana into a 4-4 four, four lifelink. And then, you know, now they can just, you know, Brazen Borrower it. It's just a huge tempo swing, um, depending on kind of what they choose to do. And I think like that has basically is what has caused Stoneforge to be less playable. Like different decks have answers now. It's not just like, a great card that Delver players like struggle to deal with. It's it's um you know it's a massive tempo swing if they get rid of it with the variety of options that are available now. Mm -hmm. Even in the control slots though too, I feel like you've got a lot of ways to get punished by playing the the thing out right. Like with Narset and Teferi also in the format now. Like like if you're playing Stoneforge Mystic on turn two against these kind of cards, I feel like there's just like you mentioned, it's not good in like the the blue controlly mirrors. But if you're playing against, I think like Stoneforge exactly against Chalice of the Void is fine. But I feel like other tools like uh, other decks, like for example Elves, right? Like GTA might be good, but I feel like with four Allosaurus Shepherds in every Elves deck now, like spending that much time to get like GTA into play, and then like you have to equip the GTA, and then you have to like you know, hope that they don't have, like, a Quirion Ranger or a Wirewood Symbiote in play, like, that sort of stuff, like, th and that, too, on top of, like, there's a combo and things like that. I feel like these decks have, like, gotten a little bit stronger to the point where you just cannot afford to spend four mana on turns two and three, putting just a 4-4 into play. Well, I would say about Stoneforge, uh, yeah, Delver might, might play some more Borrowers. I always felt like the Stoneblade decks weren't, like, um particularly like well suited uh for beat for beating up delver i always felt like they kind of because they didn't have that many removal spells and um but i, I always felt like the stoneblade decks like you could sideboard a couple supreme verdicts and 
Um, I, I could see Stoneforge Mystic being worse against Delver, but I don't know if it would be like the thing that would push push the deck out of playability because um, like Stoneforge would still have a utility as like blocking young pyromancer tokens and still as a way to close the game. But I could definitely see it being worse because of that. I mean, it kind of depends what non-blue decks like. Well, the thing about elves is like it, when you're comparing threats, like a deck like Delver has threats like young pyromancer and Gromag angler, and like you kind of use your interaction to buy time to beat down with your threats and stoneforge is kind of similar where it's not like your plan is cast stoneforge and then stoneforge wins the game but it's just like a threat like young pyromancer or gurmag angler so the fact that it can get jitte it's just like it's a pretty powerful threat but yeah they have a lot of uh, ways to bounce their own stuff so it could be a bit slow and um mm -hmm. well let's, let's stay on that concept for a moment because i think most people agree that basically Delver and likely Grixis Delver, maybe Blue Red Delver are kind of like the de facto Delver decks now and the go-to decks and potentially the best decks of the new format. And, you, you know, you talked a little bit about this concept of like, quote unquote, good against Delver. And that can mean a couple different things. Um, I think one thing you were alluding to is basically playing a lot of removal. And that's one reason why Snow um, was naturally favored against Delver, just because they had, like, you know, Swords of Plowshares, Abrupt Decay, Dead of Winter. It, it was just a lot of different things to fight through. So from a, like, natural perspective, it was somewhat favored against Delver. Um, so is that kind of... Do you agree with that? And do you think, like, basically that's what you need to be favored against Delver if you're playing a fair blue deck? Well, it kind of depends because Delver can kind of take... So if you're playing against somebody and their plan is all these removal spells, you as the Delver player can look at what threats they play and try and try and stop their threats. So like when when I was playing in Snow, like their only threats were like for a lot of lists were like Oko and Uro. So if you look at your opponent, they have infinite removal spells in Oko and Uro, and then you start sideboarding like great like some Graveyard Hate and some Pyroblast... It's pretty hard for them to stick a win con. And then you put like some card draw they can't interact with. Like in Grixis, you could play Painful Truce, or you put like Colossus and Sylvan Library, which might be like difficult for them to interact with. And then you kind of out control the control decks. That's what I was doing against Snow last year. Like, um, but it, it would depend. It's not like every Snow list is built the same. Some decks would have Yorion, or some decks would have Green Sun, or some decks would have like random Shark Typhoons, but you could Power Blast and bolt that. Um, but basically, what I was trying to say, as Delver, the kind of what I do against control decks is I usually look at their win cons. And then I try and play a card draw that's hard for them to interact with, so like Painful Truths or Sylvan Library. So that way I just have mana to spend a long game. And then I just put answers to their their threats. And then Snow players, they could go in the arms race and then go back and attune to my Delver plan, but I find that like people never react to that. And then my Delver plan just always works. That's kind of what I, I was doing the last year, if that makes sense. So like I basically... Interesting. Would, you know, like I would just look at their threats, and then I would put card draw and answer, so I would kind of like have a sideboard package built for the way control decks are built. And then it, and that was actually working for me pretty decently, but I don't know. They can obviously have like sticky cards like Veil of Summer, or they could like just play too many threats, or one sneaks by, or like maybe you don't draw your in graveyard exile and they play, get the Uro back or whatever. But yeah, that was kind of how I was approaching it last year. That match. Yeah, I mean one one key element that's also no longer in the matchup, or I think is going to have a lot less pronounced of a voice in the matchup is is Ice Fang Quaddle, right? Because now you cannot <clears throat> achieve Death Touch by turn two. You have to get three basics into play like you have to really work honestly and hard to to sort of get exactly yeah and, and then you think about like if you go like mountain sorry not mountain if you go island forest you know plains for example uh, you get your thing in play like okay sure they, they might pyroblast it you can't protect your ice vein quaddle through pyroblast so that's a lot of damage that's coming in from a flip delver or something like that plus mm -hmm. you know and, and then if you can't trip it's so awkward if you have you know two non-blue lands 
Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, th- I think I think that's another big element. I feel like banning Astrolabe also sort of soft bans um, Ice Fang Quaddle, and I think it also sort of soft bans Mystic Sanctuary. Well, I, you could still play Ice Fang Quaddle in your deck, but the efficiency of the turn two Quaddle, which is like one, I think one of the very key elements of that matchup, is no longer something to look forward to. Uh, well, or- well, what does it have to do with Mystic Sanctuary, though? Because... I mean, before Miracles played Mystic Sanctuary, before Astrolabe was even a thing, so I was actually wondering that. that is that is that actually true? It was right. Astrolabe came out. After or, I guess Mystic Sanctuary. Uh, is that true? no, Mystic Sanctuary came out later. But okay, then I guess they they didn't always play Ast- They did like Miracles didn't play Astrolabe because it didn't make sense to play with Terminus. Usually, mm, I sometimes they did, Mystic but sometimes Sanctuary, they didn't. And I just think of never having three. Because think about it, right? Like with Sanctuary, like you have to have. Three islands in play. Okay, that's blue, blue, blue. And then you have to have planes for removal. And then, you know, if you're playing like mountain or forest, you have to have that as well. So that's literally the, your sixth land would have to be Mystic Sanctuary, which is kind of too slow for me. And I feel like th- the, the one caveat to that is that if you want to play Sanctuary without Astrolabe is that you could you maybe play like Uro to like ramp stuff out. But that's like a whole... You know, I mean, Sanctuary is supposed to be like a super late game card anyway. It's just like an, an inevitability. You don't really need it until it's like, oh, I win the game now. Well, the premise of Miracles typically has been like you play these really hyper efficient cards, right? Like you don't want to have seven mana on turn seven. You want to have like, you know, five mana on, you know, turn like for like you, you play until like five or six mana and then you just stay at a low mana count as much as possible or low lands in play as much as possible. Um for as long as okay. you can so that but, but, you, know, you have efficient cards in hand. I, I think you're making a good point in that basically the third color becomes more difficult, right? Like if you're playing two yeah. color miracles, you can probably fit in Sanctuary without too much of an issue. The third color um, gets more difficult. Yeah, well, no, no. Actually, I must say too, I think if you're playing two colors, I think it's also kind of tricky as well because like if you're playing two colors, you probably have white, white spells in the deck. So your man, your land count is still going to be like five plus before you can get Mystic Sanctuary into play, right? Like the, the point, right, you know what? Screw, screw Mystic Sanctuary and Miracles. Let's just play it in our Grixis Delver sideboard, and that'll be the only play it sees. All good. Yes, yeah, I actually bring think, back I think that's truce a against better these, home. Uh, control people. That, that actually is kind of ironic if Mystic Sanctuary in Legacy just happens to be like an anti-control card instead of a control card like it's been in you know Modern, for instance. But mm-hmm. um, I, I can definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, in Modern, you don't have Wasteland, though, right? And that's, that's the big kicker. If I could go like Trop, Trop, Valk, whatever... Then I would definitely play Mystic Sanctuary, but but I but I can't. So you know it is what it is. I mean, this is my. I know I know like a, a couple other people are gonna disagree with me on this, um, but I'm pretty sure that like just in terms of like like efficiency and effectiveness, Sanctuary is just like meh, not it. Like I I mean honestly, for me, the future of control. I'm gonna start with some some sort of Bant pile. I think Uro is still busted. I think just getting the mana to work with Uro is going to be the number one thing. And then also need to factor in a couple of things, right? So I think one critical card going into the future is going to be Carpet of Flowers. I'm really glad that this card was discovered like during this whole like snow apocalypse or whatever, or like, you know, whatever you want to call this period of time. Um, just because now I know that in order to beat Delver, if I ever really, really, really struggle with Delver, I can throw Carpet of Flowers into my deck and have, you know, a competitive match with my clunky, expensive spells. Um, Uro being a clunky, expensive spell that, you know, once it's in play is really good. Also, I was thinking, like, randomly things like if you play Uro, you get to maybe play Stifle. 
you know, cards like Torpor Orb are kind of cool, like just in terms of like putting in the sideboard. So Uro's not completely unplayable in some, you know, universe. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of like going through the reps and, and figuring it out. Uh, but but Bant, mm-hmm. Bant seems like a good starting point. It seems like a good place to start. And you talked about the mana base. I definitely have some concerns there too. Um, basically, you know, what does Uro cost? Blue, blue, green, green. So does that mean you need two forests in play? Are you going to play one forest and then, you know, fetch your drop whenever you need to escape Uro? But then you, you know, still need some other lands in play to play around days. So it definitely is going to be the key to this. Because the the real problem with green is, you know, now that Oko's gone, it does, it's not a removal spell color and neither is blue. And so you have this amazing threat um, but if you're not able to cast removal spells in the early turns, if you're playing islands and forests, then you could be in trouble as well. So it's definitely a pretty unique challenge, and and maybe you know it just means you have to play Uro later uh, than turn like five or six. But you know that could also pose a problem as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how you figure out this mana base issue. Carpet is obviously awesome, and maybe a way around it. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you could also do like green. Su- oh, I guess yeah. You- there's a lot of, like, you don't need to be a pure control Bant deck. You can also do, like, a sort of, like, a Bant, uh, like, maybe with Green Sun, so it's, like, more acceptable if they Wasteland to you or something like that, or Green was, like, a Jeff Living Wish, though I guess with Astrolabe gone, Jeff's Living Wish deck is, like, way worse. But, like, you mm-hmm. don't need you to Noble necessarily Hierarch be a as well. pure... Sorry, what? I, I was saying you play Noble Hierarch if you're playing a more creature-based list. Yeah, um, like... So, yeah, that... Yeah. Like you could do like a green like a green sun based band version and then like that could fix some some mana issues because then you have way more green spells in your deck because you're playing green sun. So Yeah, I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing that I hadn't even considered is that my my primary thing is is that like Ice Fang Quaddle and Uro are gonna move away from being the primary plan for these decks. So for example, like I would play like maybe two Ice Fang Quaddles at most. I would maybe play like you know, two Uros at most, or if this is the thing, too, if, I, if I'm playing like Sylvan Library, then I probably just go up to like, you know, more Uros or whatever. Like, I, I guess, I guess that's that's another interesting thing too is that like Uro, if you play four copies, isn't even like that bad with itself because you, you you're constantly ramping, right? So you have to have like enough mana sources in the deck to make it worth it. But like if you're playing like you know twenty plus lands, twenty two lands or something like that, and you can get them into play at a reasonable pace, you probably could get. And that's a really interesting idea. Maybe I'll just try that. Things like cycle lands too are kind of cool. Um, um, yeah, you you probably actually get enough mana into play for Uro to be reasonably castable. I guess for me, another big consideration is things like like Rishadon port, right? I'm absolutely terrified of this card coming back into the meta. I think before, like with Astrolabe gone, like port was kind of a joke. And quite frankly, I'm surprised, so surprised that people were still playing it. But now that it's gone, like, you know, port seems very, very powerful as another mana denial tool. So looking forward to lands and I'm looking forward to DNT sort of, you know, be able to fight some fight again. Um, But but yeah, all in all, I think like, like, so... Yeah, if Uro, he's either has to be like your number one, like you have to go all in on that card, or I think it's just going to be like a <sighs> splash card. But then I guess that means that Uro is actually just whatever, right? If it's if if you're if it's a splash or if it's an all in thing, so maybe that sentence is kind of like nonsensical to say something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it depends on what else you're getting out of green. Like carpet's a great card. Quaddle we mentioned is eh. Um, Veil of Summer is still a card that, you know, escaped the ban list and is very, very powerful. Um, 
and fits really well in these blue shells. And potentially that's like another reason to play green. Um, you also mentioned Sylvan Library. So it, it's, you're going to need to get a little bit more mileage, basically, now that you don't have another you know threat answer like Oko and Coatl's a lot worse. Um, potentially you need to dig deeper. And green was always like the worst color in Legacy. So it's kind of nice that it's playable now, but maybe not um, overpowered. So yeah, that's well, kind yeah, of interesting. We'll see how it goes. I mean, you could go pretty deep on Uro because Uro is a tremendous payoff. Like, you could just put two forests in your deck and then just have, like, library Uro and be, like, blue-white miracles with Uro. Like, that seems pretty reasonable to me because you, you, don't, you don't play double-white spells. You could just have, like, one white spell. I mean, obviously, they, if they have Rishid on port, then you want second white, but then that's uh, specific. So you could just have, like, two forests, like, two planes, your islands, and then just be, like, a miracles deck with, like, you know what I mean? Few... I'm actually like throwing up in the back of my mouth right now thinking of that mana base like two forests, two planes and okay well then we can easily take you know Mystic Sanctuary crumple it up and just like throw it into a garbage can as the truck comes by um I I mean yeah two forests is something that I was thinking about it's it's also oh man it's it's so tricky I think maybe that's another thing too is then back to basics inadvertently gets better because if mana matters then like you know back to basics well the thing is, is like nice... when you have Sylvan Library and Earl like you don't really flood that much so you can kind of like you can just kind of afford to make your mana base like this to support earl and library what do you, like, what do you like mean by you don't flood much like it's like you can build your mana base around your strats because it's not like in 2014 where you didn't have earl and stuff like i think like the mana base it might sound kind of bad but you can build your deck around earl because like you can just play like blue like a blue white shell minimal shell and then just have earl and like you could just have like library and earl and you know, maybe a couple Ice Fangs, and it seems reasonable to me, because you're just going to have a couple Forests in your deck, you'll have, like, one Tropical, maybe one Savannah, and then, like, yeah, you have a few, like, uh, kind of colorless lands, quote-unquote, because of these Forests, but if you think about Forests, kind of like how decks play Wasteland as a colorless land, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, you're doing it to support your Uro, so... And then, like, Uro and Library kind of mean that it's harder for you to just, like, flood and, like, not have spells to cast. Like, by flood, I mean, like, you have lands and you don't have stuff to do with it. And Library and Uro kind of help you have stuff to do with your lands. So if you have these quote-unquote colorless lands in play, it's going to be, like, not as as bad. Because if you just draw a Library or Uro, you got to use them with it. That's what I mean. I, I think that could be reasonable. If you see what I'm okay. saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I, I want to quickly transition then to another question. I don't know if we really, really talked about it, but like Delver of Secrets, right? Now, this is another archetype that just got massively nerfed. Um, you know, losing Oko, losing Rug, uh, sorry, losing uh, Dreadhorde Arkness means that Rug Delver is, whatever it is right now is, or was yesterday, is not what it's going to be today and, and moving forward. So we need to figure out then like, like, what are the potential archetypes or potential color combinations that you two would... Because you two are way, way well-versed in, in Delver compared to, like, um, myself. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I was trying <laughs> to look for a joke there, but I couldn't find one. Um, so then, like, we just played a match with Grixis Delver, and it, not gonna lie, did not feel like Rug Delver, but, like, talk me through, like, some certain card considerations that threat compositions, like all the sort of like nuances that, uh, you know, get people started and, and going with Delver secrets. Yeah. I think Daniel explained it pretty well on his Twitter feed. So you should go there, but basically you want to play blue and red, uh, red because lightning bolt and pyroblast are so efficient and maybe the other, the other stuff can be somewhat replaced, but you really can't replace pyroblast or lightning bolt. And so that's why those are kind of the default colors. So then from there you can either go, you know, blue, red, Grixis, or rug 
Um, Grixis has the best threat in the mirror. It has Gurmag Angler, the one mana five five, which is basically you know the trump card in the matchup. And um, you know before even when it was just rug. Hooting Nandrels was the trump, and now we're back to Gurmag Angler being the trump. So that's going to be kind of where people start. Um, but there are other options out there as well. If you, if you think about the Luris meta, like there was so much Delver that <clears throat> JPA pivoted to Jeskai Delver to get more removal. And I think, you know, if Delver does super well and there's not that many control decks around, then I think Jeskai potentially could be better than Grixis. And there's a lot of kind of anti-graveyard options like Rest in Peace and anti-combo options in Jeskai as well. So I don't know. I, I think it'll depend on how the meta develops, but definitely, you know, Blue-Red X-Delver is where we're kind of all thinking. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, was... Um, well, I would say one thing about Gurmag Angler. Like, I think part of the reason uh, Gurmag Angler might be particularly strong in the mirror is because in the green decks, people were... To answer Delve creatures, there were a lot of people were playing Submerged. So if you played Grixis... You know, the past few weeks, you were kind of dodging Submerged. It was hard for them to answer Delve creatures. But if you look at a card like Young Pyromancer, Gurmag Angler could actually, um, you know, get more blunted than Young Pyromancer than, like, Hooting Mandrills would, because Hooting Mandrills has Trample, so you can't get chopped by the tokens. Obviously, they could, like, combine a Bolt with, with a token, but th there could definitely be cases where your opponent has a Young Pyromancer active that Hooting Mandrills could be better. It's, like, one mana cheaper, so it can be easier to cast multiple or cast it earlier. But um, Black also has, it's like, Dismember is a lot better in Grixis because the thing about Dismember is um, it's kind of awkward late game because late game you probably care about your life a lot. But if you're playing Grixis, you can just cast it for more mana. So it like undoes one of the natural downsides of Dismember that it can be like pretty bad in, in long games. Um, I, yeah, and I definitely, so yeah, I definitely like Blue-Red uh, as a shell, I also think like Lightning Bolt and Delver work really well together because if you've ever played against a Delver deck and they don't have Red Knight, you know, like you can really play around with your life total. You don't really get threatened by Delver. Like you can just take hits. And, but if, if they have Lightning Bolt, you're, you're, you're a lot more threatened by Delver. Um, so just, just knowing that, that's how you can tell Lightning Bolt's really good in the deck. And I think when it goes to creature count, like if you just think, because in Delver you're playing other creatures, you're not just playing Delver. And when you think about the creatures in the format, I feel like the Delve creatures are like the most powerful, best rate, biggest creatures, one mana, so you can double spell later in the game. And, like, the Delve creatures work really well because when you're playing Delver, you want to use Wasteland very aggressively. You want to use Gaze, you know, freely. You want to be able to cantrip and cast Lightning Bolts freely. And the Delve creatures work well with that because the fact that you can play them with one mana, you can basically, I would say, take the max amount of game actions. Like, I'll give an example. Like, if you play against Elves... I was actually siding out Oko against Elves, because when I play against Elves, I just wanted to take the max game actions. I wanted to, like, daze, daze every spell and waste every spell and bolt everything and cantrip to, to do that. So Delve creatures just fit well with that. Or another example is when you're on the draw, sometimes you're like, oh, daze is a bit worse because I'm on the draw, so it's going to be hard to cast my two drop. But if you have any Delve creatures, it's not really awkward because it's going to cost you one mana. So I, I really like the Delve creatures in Delver, so I would be looking at uh, Rug or Grixis, personally. But it's not like you need them. I just think they're really good. I also think they're really good in the Delver Mirror too. Um, and uh, but I, I saw like one of my friends I think said, yeah, some people were saying like you can look at Blue Red with Blood Moon because mana bases with Astrolabe gone. Like if if people are trying to uh, you know play Uro, Blood Moon could be good against that, or Blood Moon could be good in in general with Astrolabe gone or whatever. So there's definitely a lot of options. Personally, I'm gonna look at Grixis um, first because it has Delve creatures and and basically 
But, yeah, let but, me yeah. let me ask you a question since we're in the topic of delve creatures. I mean, there is so I've got I've got got, got a couple points I want to talk about. So the first one is delve creatures, right? I, I get that you're talking about one mana delve creatures, but what about the two mana delve creature uh, ethereal forager, right? Because that one seems like a pretty pretty powerful card. Um, I mean, it's 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 got its own set of vulnerabilities, but I mean, Daniel, what and Bob too? What are your what are your thoughts on forager? Is that going to be a playable card? Do you think you know in in when the dust settles? I think it was like fringe playable before, and it, it definitely is playable. Uh, I don't know if personally it's something I, I would be excited to try, just because it, it's not a delve creature in the sense that you know it costs two mana minimum, so it's more of like a late drop uh, card advantage engine. So it's it's sort of a totally different card than Gurmag Angler or Hooting Mandrills, and perhaps it has a place. It is really powerful. Um, if your opponent untaps and swings with it, it's kind of like Dreadhorde Arcanist. Basically, you you kind of lose. But uh, I don't know. It's just kind of a different thing. So it's also blue, which is, makes it vulnerable to red blast. So I'm somewhat skeptical on it. Yeah, I would say I don't really. Uh, this card it's a little bit of a bizarre card, and I don't. I haven't really played with it a lot, so I don't have experience. It's definitely pretty powerful, so I could see it. But uh, yeah, I would say like one of the things about delve creatures that makes them unique in the role is the fact that they're like what they do is that they're like you pay one mana and you get a giant vanilla creature that's bigger than basically every other creature. Like if you play Gourmet Angler, it's one mana is bigger than Thought Not Fear or so on. And this card's kind of different where it, the body isn't as big. But it's it, it has this like uh, card card draw effect, and um, so like it, it draws you cards. <laughs> I mean, so it's it's kind of like a, it it accomplishes like a slightly different role. Whereas like the reason you want Gurmag or Hooting is because you want like a really cheap, really big vanilla creature. Whereas this card's like slightly more expensive, but it draws you cards, so it's kind of a different rule. But it's hard it's hard to play too many delve creatures, so it's hard to have both in the same deck. But yeah, I could see a blue red deck. Definite, especially especially a blue red deck in particular that doesn't have other delve creatures. I could definitely see like blue red playing this. I could even see three color playing this, though uh, I would be more skeptical. But yeah, I could definitely see blue red playing this. It's a strong card, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes compared to like okay. cryptic serpent. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like neither of you are like super excited about it though. Like the function of a delve creature is that it is a one mana threat, um, and 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 the fact that a forager you know is. Yeah. At best, a two-mana card is not something very good. So, uh, in blue-red, you don't have delve creatures anyway. So, like, in specifically blue-red, it's like you know you don't even have delve creatures. So, you, you know what I'm saying? You're not, like, missing out on anything else. So, I, I, I could definitely see it in blue-red. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, mm -hmm. Are there any interesting threats that I'm not thinking about? Like, you know, like, uh, Grand Prix, Niagara Falls, like, right before Teferi and Narset and all these cards came out from In War of the Sparks. Terramander was a card that saw play. Uh, I'm seeing some people talk about Tombstalker in the chat, which I want to transition over at some point to Mengu's uh, article. Um, right, like, what are the good two-mana threats? Because you, you've got Delver of Secrets. Okay, we'll say that you have some one-mana threats in the form of Gurmag Angler and, and Hooting Mandrels. So, Young Pyromancer, is there anything besides that? Well, I want to add one thing about Young Pyromancer that's kind of interesting. So Plague Engineer is kind of a new card, and part of the reason Plague Engineer... So Plague Engineer wasn't really that good against Delver because of Dreadhorde Arcanist. Because basically, if you play Dreadhorde... If you play uh, Plague Engineer, it's just not... It doesn't line up that well against Dreadhorde Arcanist because they could just bolt it, and then you just, like, lose the game. So you didn't really... Like, Plague Engineer is not really a card you wanted in against Delver. I mean, it's probably fine to have. But now, since Plague Engineer is gone, or Dreadhorde Arcanist is gone, Plague Engineer is going to be a lot more reasonable to side in against Delver, because you can use it to block the Delve creatures. 
and you can use it to to handle whatever pe uh, people have. If it's Brazen Borrower, True Name, Young Pyromancer, maybe Delver didn't flip yet or whatever. So I think that's one thing that that's going to change a bit uh, going forward. Is like people are like Play Engineer is going to be a, a bit uh, better against Delver. So I think that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I definitely think like the first that comes to mind is Young Pyromancer. It's always a card that I'm kind of don't love to play, but the thing is, it's a two mana creature, and there's there's not really that many other good ones. Sprite Dragon's a new card, but it's blue. It's kind of hard to cast. I could see Sprite Dragon, but like, um, depending where the meta goes, but it doesn't like excite me. Then there's also Tarmogoyf if you still play Teamer, uh, a rug or Teamer. Um, uh, I thought about Jace Rin's Prodigy, but he's probably just way too bad because he's like gets bounced by Caracas and it's just super slow overall. But it would be funny if he. <laughs> It was good like as a sideboard thing yeah uh what about um monastery swift spear like does blue red excite you in any way i actually built a blue red prowess deck kind of similar to the, like the old treasure cruise decks but basically the idea was you play swift spear with delver and you play the sprite dragon as well so do you just have really low to the ground prowess threats that hit really hard um you don't play wasteland uh and so potentially that could be kind of another counter punch like the blue red delver deck is always been you know in between delver and burn and, and some decks are really weak to burn um for instance like miracles traditionally was not the best against that and it was just a much faster shell can we just um, talk so about think... for a second how my heart was fluttering like as i was looking at the list of cards that was banned i i somebody had mentioned it yesterday in my stream but if oko and uro both got banned that would have been like i think the the deck that would have gained the most out of that literally would be burn right and if there's one deck that i don't want back in the format because it just does nothing but stress me out it would be burned that, that that just gives me nightmares I, I sometimes can't sleep because of it it's just ridiculous so at least we have uro like to sort of help with that but i mean against burn you really need uro right on time turn three then basically turn four or five uh so good luck with that mm, yeah but you I mean you guys um, are fearing but... burn when i get paired against burn i'm like this is a blessing why well, actually there's a when i was when I was playing the Valky challenge a couple weeks ago, I got paired against Burn in like the last round of it, and I had two blue blasts because Valky was a deck, and I thought this might be the most lopsided match in all of Magic. Like I can't imagine a more favored matchup than Rug Delver against Burn, and then I lost, and I was like, "What? What just?" I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. in like as the match started, I'm like, "This might be one of the most lopsided matchups I've ever played." I have blue blast, I have Colossus, I have Oko, like. They're playing Burn, dude. And then they're like, Rolling Vortex my Arcanist. I'm like, this is lame, man. Come on, Rolling Vortex is too good. It's stopping my Arcanist right now. <laughs> rolling Vortex is too good. Love it, love yeah. it. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so this is what I wanted to ask then. So you guys both think that red is pretty critical here. In Mangu's article, the Mangu's, you know, like just the way Mangu plays Delver is, I would say it's a, it's like unique to, to him and you know, different from you two, right? He suggested playing um, a bug deck Similar to, you know, the deck that he top-aided uh, Bologna with, except instead of playing Oko, you just play Uro in the slot here. So I'm sharing my screen right now, and the, the threat composition is kind of interesting. It's like four Delver, four Goyf, two Gurmag, two Uro, four Ponder, four Thoughties, right? And Daniel, you've played Uro in Delver a certain amount. What do you think about this kind of concept? Playable? Not playable? One second, I'm just loading up your Twitch so I can see your uh, screen share. Here. True, Bob. What do you uh, think? Okay, so I just take yeah, uh, I don't know. Basically, he's going much more mid range, which I think is basically just what he likes to do, and I think that can definitely be a valid 
approach and then your delvers are way worse but then your some of the other cards you're playing around you're getting more value i think the idea in general is you know uh Uro is a little bit difficult to play with all basics um but what if you just said fuck that i'm just gonna play Uro and delver whether it's bug or rug or you know something like lands with mox diamond or my old saltai depths list also had mox diamonds to cast arrows like that would be one avenue Uro could definitely see play and it wouldn't cause too much of a stress on the mana base so that's something to consider but um back to your question basically it's like hey what are we maximizing here we're not maximizing delver we're maximizing the other cards around it maybe we think abrupt decay is a great card or veil of summer or something like that and then that's why we're choosing to play you know a mid-range delver deck i think yeah i think the reason to build your deck like this is like you want it's like you want to play days basically because you might look at this deck and say well why would you play this over chest Saltai control, right? Because Delver's not that good in this deck. And I think the reason you would do that is the typical strengths Delver has, where it's just good at playing every card in its hand because all the cards are so cheap. So you got to play Days, which is very broken card. It might, it's probably like it's a ban worthy card. Like, for example, you know, I heard like Sam Blacker people say, my goal is to play the card that's supposed to be banned. And Days is a card that's probably supposed to be banned. So I think like if you play Days in your deck, you know, it's a it's a good thing to do in that in that regard. And that that's the point of playing this deck because like, like I said before, like when you don't have Lightning Bolt in your deck, Delver, I feel, is, is is definitely a lot less threatening. It's not like bad, but I don't know if people disagree, but like whenever you play against like Bug Delver, you're always like, you can just take all those hits from Delver and you don't care. Like even if you're playing a combo deck, but whereas if your opponent's red, you're like, okay, one, once I even get to six life, you know, once I'm at seven life, that means I can't force and make a double bolt. So you're, yeah, like Bob said, you're much worse at, at actually using Delver in this kind of deck. But like, maybe you're like, okay, I want to play Uro and I want to have this Delver shell while I have days and all these cheap spells. It's also one minor thing. It's kind of funny. Abrupt Decay is definitely, I think, going to get a bit worse with Oko Ban. I think Abrupt Decay was like really good the last year because people played not that many permanents because of Oko and Library was so centric in the format. So Decay was really good. So Decay might might get a bit worse, which is uh, kind of funny. But I could, I could definitely see something like this. It's like, you have to be aware, like your Delver is going to be a lot worse and you don't have Pyroblast. But, you know, maybe there's a, it's a, it's a reason. I think this is reasonable, especially if you're playing an Uro Delver deck. I definitely, like I could see playing this. I wouldn't feel uncomfortable. I, I, I wouldn't mind playing this deck. Yeah, I mean... The, the, the other thing that I want to point is, like, there's so many directions you could take this kind of strategy in, right? Like, I feel like Uro and Sylvan Library is still pretty nasty. And, like, I don't necessarily know if Delver of Secrets is, like, a bad thing when you pair those three cards to do the, that card with those two cards. Um, I mean, I also wonder, like, how Stifle looks in this new format. Like, what if you played, like, you know, Delver of Secrets with Stifle and Sylvan Library and, and things like that? I feel like that's, like, pretty powerful. I know, Daniel, you absolutely despise the card. Uh, I mean, Bob, do you maybe as like a medium look at the card how do you feel about the stifle uh i think it depends on where the meta goes if it's really blue heavy and it's not really dead in any matchups then it's not a card that i hate playing obviously it's you know up and down and play draw dependent but i think in the mirror it uh it really it depends a little bit like if delver shifts away from playing three drops and it is a little bit worse in the mirror but i still think it like if delver is you know all ones and twos it's probably not as good in the mirror so it, it depends on too many factors for me to really say i guess but there are times when Del when stifle's good i would say one thing is uh i played a bit of historic the last year and stifle is actually a card people played because people play tails end i don't know if people know what that card does but it's basically a stifle that counters legends to for two mana and i never uh actually used tails end on my own uro trigger and that was like a lower power format. But so I don't know, like, like I haven't played with Stifle Uro, so I don't know how much you would actually stifle your own Uro trigger, but but maybe it would come up uh, a decent amount. But 
Yeah, I just I mean, feel even, like, yeah. Even playing Pokepile, which is like the deck that had Uro and the deck that had Stifle, I found, and even maybe Jeff can corroborate this, is that you rarely stifled your Uro trigger because it was more important to like deny the opponent of stuff like that. Um, uh, fun fact, though, speaking of Stifles, I almost played Nimble Obstructionist in the Tybalt deck, but uh, didn't really want to sweat thinking about it, so now I'll never get the chance, you know? Um, yeah, Stif Stifle is tricky, though, I agree. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Like, I, I could definitely see a deck like this uh, Bug Delver deck, but I think I saw somebody in the chat said this is literally his exact list from the GFP last year. <laughs> so maybe, like, there's, there'll be more more changes to make. Also, I just noticed four Thoughtseize, which I didn't didn't notice um, before, but Thoughtseize is actually kind of decent with Uro because Thoughtseize means... Uh, Thoughtseize is kind of, Uro's kind of like Luris. Like, once you have Uro or Luris, you just want to, like, get to the point where you're escaping Uro and your opponent doesn't have cards to play. So Thoughtseize is kind of... Funnily, it's kind of good with our own that way. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean that that's a pretty good like four one one on Delver. It seems like the both of you want to play Grixis to start off with, and I mean I'm hoping that whatever sort of blue stew brew that I can come up with is competitive with that. But it's going to take some time. I think the first thing I'm going to do is like take Hull Breacher and Days Undoing and take them out for like a little spin because I really like those cards. They're very fun to play with. And I think uh, so long as the rest of the blue shell is like competitive enough that you can make, you can make uh, uh, those two cards playable. I mean, you might argue that, you know, it's too cute, too fun, but that's kind of also the reason why I would play this to begin with is because I think it's... I think Hullbreacher is a good card. You just have a sick feeling when you cast days and doing with Hullbreacher out. You just feel like a little kid, you know? You're, like, at the candy store. Everything's free. Like, you get to do whatever the fuck you want and your opponents are just screwed. Dude, literally um, the day Hullbreacher came out, I played it in the Urza Echo deck and I, I, I cackled. I, I maniacally cackled when I got my one-sided time twister off and then just kept comboing because I got, like, seven free mana, right? Like, it's a ramp. Yeah, you get the point, though. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, so what are other, other things that we should be looking at, like, in terms of, like, legacy and the direction it's going? Going. I mean, like we could also talk about like the band philosophy because, quite frankly, I, I'm, 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 I'm very ecstatic about like the way Watsi sort of just like said, you know what, like we're not afraid afraid to revolutionize many formats. I mean, if you look like a long time ago, like the way they did bands and restrictions and things like that, they were very like conservative and like slow and patient, and now like they've evolved into like this, you know, I, I, I don't know, just like I, I'm. I guess I'm just like happy that they like changed so much in so many different formats, even in vintage. I, I don't know if you want to talk about like Luris and vintage, but that's kind of funny. Cause I mean, it feels like there's a lot to talk about at least for that. Yeah. Um, I definitely have some thoughts there as well. I think, you know, for vintage, they cited basically uh, they don't want anything banned for power level reasons. Uh, and they basically see it as an experiment now that they nerfed it. So, um, but just overall kind of stepping back a minute on the, whole um like they're basically in the article they said they're responding to both quote play data and community feedback end quote so i think it's awesome that they're listening to us you know us yelling at twitter is not just yelling into the void i know you wrote a letter uh, that you think you know changed their minds but uh, i guess what i'm trying to say is like it's awesome that they are actually listening and in general like even though we've been really critical of watsi of a lot of their design decisions when it comes to bands they usually get to the right answer and sometimes it takes a little bit more time i think you know people would have been happier to see this potentially a couple months ago but at the end of the day like they got um and did what we wanted so i'm really happy to kind of see that and i would definitely give them an a for like effort yeah, I, th I think uh, 
the vintage companion thing is very interesting. But I'll, I'll just say one one last thing. I'm also I'll probably post later a teamer. Seeing this Mangu deck makes me want to post a teamer or a Delver deck. But that's the last thing about Delver. Yeah, when I saw the the vintage ban at first, it's kind of awkward because one thing about companions is. They're, it's like, do you want? Is it better if they exist in eternal formats or not? Because that's definitely a question. Like, is Luris and Yorion, which are the main companions I see play, like, is it better for them to exist or not? Personally, I kind of like wanted them to like maybe eradicate companions because it feels like a less organic form of magic. Like companions feel like very like 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 you know Lunchables lunch. Like it's just like you get in the box and you get what you get. Wait, it's, like, what? Okay, like what I mean is it's it's Lunchables kind of, like, are great, Daniel. It's like the kind of pre-built, like when if you put Loris or Yorin in the deck, it's like Watsi is pre-building your deck for you. You know what I mean? Like here you go, it's right in the package. And I'm like, okay, like I, so it feels like less organic. Why you does this I mean? make sense? Oh my what? god, why does this make sense? Stop! No, you're speaking too much now. Ah, keep going. But I guess okay, oh, so it hurts. Basically, but it's also kind of interesting because so the the I'm playing the mocks next month and it's modern and I was like, Loris is legal, so why? Like, I, basically, I also think Luris... So, basically, the last year, Luris came out when Uro was legal. So, that means every format that had Luris... Because Luris was banned quickly in Legacy. But what I mean is formats like Modern and Historic um, had Uro. So, if you were playing a blue controlling deck, you wouldn't play Luris because you had Uro. But now, I think we're going to enter in, into an age where in formats like Modern and... I guess... I guess, yeah, no, Uro's banned. So, formats like Modern... Pioneer, Historic, so like the kind of legacy light uh, Eternal formats, all the blue control decks, I think, might start just playing Uro. I mean, they could play Yorion too, and they could play No Companion, but like, I think like, you're gonna, because Uro's gone, you're gonna see people playing these blue, these new decks that we've never seen before that are like these blue control decks. Like, remember when there was Luris Miracles in Legacy? I think we're gonna see a lot of decks like that in Pioneer and Historic and Modern, which you kind of haven't seen before, which is kind of cool to maybe be exist for a year. Like we had the Uro year, that was last year, and now we might have the Luris year. But I'm also like, yeah, I feel like it's kind of not organic because it kind of like, it's so... Um, so I'm, you think they're all gonna become, you know, Luris Companion Mishra's bubble decks and then just not play anything expensive because there's not that many great expensive things anyways. Well, like I'm not I'm not sure exactly, but I feel like like let's say you look at the control decks in modern and you don't need to play Luris, but basically so I was brewing uh for the mocks this morning, like my first take, and I was kind of like, okay, so the blue decks in modern, now that Earl is gone, you could take a few angles. You could play red and six plus Omnas in like a four-color version, like Bant, like past the exile, red and six, Omnas, Cycling Lands. Or you could go to Sultai. And you could play like, uh, um, like Jace the Mind Sculptor or whatever. But then I brewed a list, and I actually, oh, I was like, so you know how Ice Fang Quaddled kind of banned in Legacy? It kind of got unbanned in Modern because Field of the Dead got banned in Modern, and in the you couldn't like Ice Fang Quaddle, um, you couldn't really play it that well with Field of the Dead because basically you didn't want to fetch basics because you had Field of the Dead, and in fact you wouldn't even play multiple snow basics because you'd play one snow, one non snow. But now that Field of the Dead is gone, Ice Fang Quaddle is gonna be, uh. It might not be like great in modern, but it's definitely gonna. There's a there's a good reason to put it in your deck. So I think kind of actually got unbanned in modern at least. Like there's a lot more reason to try it again. So that's gonna be interesting. So the first list I threw together was like a Sultai list that had like four Ice Fangs and like a couple of Snapcasters and four Archmage's Charm and two Cryptic Commands. And I put two Jace. And then I was talking to Stefan Schuetz, like Mental Misstep, and he said if you cut Jace, you could play Luris. And then I'm like, yeah. And then I just cut two Jace and I put two Luris. And I'm like, this looks good. I'm gonna try this. And then I think, like, it's not like your deck's small, small ball, because you play Cryptic Command and Archmage's Charm, and you have these powerful non-creature spells, like 
to do in the late game. But it's, it is small ball in the sense that, like, you don't have, like, these threats that you slam into play that take over the game, like Monastery Mentor or Jace the Mind Sculptor. Um, you have to play, like, if you want a big threat, you have to play, like, and treat. Like, remember when Lurus Miracles, it was kind of hard to actually win the game because you didn't have a big win con because you just, like, kept two for one your opponent with, like, counter spells and card draw and, like, and Lurus. So it'll... So... I'm not sure how good the Luris decks will be, but I think it'll be like something uh, that we might start start seeing more of. But it'll be interesting, like how they'll struggle to win, or if they'll have enough car, um, answers or so on in the long game to take over. You said the magical four-letter word that makes me want to ask another question: Is Jace the Mind Sculptor finally going to make his triumphant return back to the format for Legacy? Yeah, what do you think? Actually, Bob, I want to hear your opinion on this too. I'm mixed. I I don't know. I feel like it will, but before I, I mean, get Jace an has always been playable, and now it's more playable since it's not getting attacked down by elks, uh, or you're you know getting you know destroyed by Dreadhorde Arcanist, which is two mana Jace. So it like makes sense as something you can do now. Um, but that being said, if people are still you know respecting the pyroblasts and playing that card, then obviously Jace gets a little bit worse. But, you know, who knows? Maybe people think like you, and they're like, we don't need to play Pyroblast. And then that means Jace is better, so. Interesting. Okay, because I, like, I feel like between Uro and then, like, because I was looking at a deck list. So I'm going to pull up a random deck list here that Jeff sent me as a potential, like, week one, day one, hour zero sort of uh, list that you could play. Um, and I feel like, hold up, let me just do it this way. This is easier. Uh, so this list that I'm looking at is a take on, you know, potential miracles style decks, and it still only has one Jace the Mind Sculptor, you know, because there's there's too much other stuff to be doing, right? Like, first of all, you need to reestablish your, your cantrip base because, you know, you need that sort of selection and filtering, not that you no longer have the extra copies of Arkham's Astrolabes and Sylvan Library and things like that. Plus, you want to be able to fit in your Uros and your Narsets and your Forces. Forces, Force of Will will still be a huge, a big deal um, you know, just being able to play six or seven forces or however many people like to do is going to be big. So the, the question is like, where is even the space for Jace the Mind Sculptor? You know, I'm, I'm not really sure I see it. Um, it's probably going to be more powerful because I think, I genuinely do think that like Oko was the reason and Dreadhorde Arcanist too, the reason that this card stopped seeing play. But you still have cards like you know, Teferi, Narset, and Hullbreacher now is an interesting addition to, you know, mitigate the impact of Jason the Mind Sculptor. Plus, there's still Lightning Bolts. Plus, there's still Pyroblast. But then you can make a counter argument that, you know, counter, uh, sorry, Carpet of Flowers is the kind of card that makes Jace playable against the blue decks. I think against the non-blue decks, Jace has been, you know, generally speaking, it's probably fine. But then, you know, even then, Skyclave Apparition is kind of like an example of a card that, like, makes Jace the Mind Sculptor a little less good than it used to be. You know what I mean? So, like, the more that I think about it, the more I'm just like, Jace seems like it has potential, but at the end of the day, I feel like things are just going to go wrong. Um, I want it to work, though. I would say that, um, I, yeah, I'm in agreement that Oko made Jace a lot worse, because you know how Bloodbraid Elf in Standard used to be good against Jace? Well, Oko's, mm -hmm. I literally, like, isn't that card literally Bloodbraid Elf? Like, it's just a 3-3, three, three, you know, it comes into play as a 3-3 three, three haste. So, I felt like part of the reason I wouldn't want to put Jace in my deck is it seems so bad against Oko. Um, so, it's definitely like Oko being gone. But yeah, Skyclave Apparition is actually a real thing because last month I was playing a lot of Modern. Um, 
like right before Kaldane came out and I was playing like these four color control decks. And at first I put two Jace in my deck because I'm like, yeah, Jace is a great win condition. It's good with Ren and Six. Like if I untap with it, it's just like absurd. But then I slowly veered to playing Teferi 5 instead because Teferi 5 was like better. You could basically always play it because if you're like, if I was playing it's like, and it was basically hard for your opponent to root because like if your opponent has one creature in play, Jace is harder to play. Whereas like, I mean, this is modern, so it's not legacy. So the, like Teferi 5 is a lot worse in, in legacy than modern. But like the fact that I could just play Teferi 5 when my opponent has like a seasoned Pyromancer or, or a three power creature in play. And also the fact that it didn't get Skyclave was kind of huge. Or like the fact that it dodged Bolt. Like when you played Teferi 5, it was pretty hard for your opponent to remove it by attacking it or with a spell basically. Whereas Jace was pretty easy to remove with a spell or with a creature. So... But like basically I'm saying my point was saying that is the Skyclay point's actually real. Like when you play Teferi, it's pretty hard for your opponent to remove it. Whereas when you play Jace, it's pretty easy for them to remove it. Now that doesn't mean like Teferi's better than Jace, but that mean that's it's definitely like a, a quite a real factor that Jace is not that difficult to remove. Though the, the upside to Jace is that it wins the game really quickly. Like you're gonna lose games where you untap with Teferi, or like Teferi doesn't find you a card right away, whereas Jace, if you untap with it, you see like six card you draw six cards. So you know what I mean. Yeah. That that's a kind of interesting thing. I feel like the answers to this card have certainly upgraded on all ends, as opposed to you know when Jace was really really good, like you know, like the the nut high busted card that it was. But plus, there's like a lot of other threats there too, right? So I mean, like especially when you're playing like Jace, you're probably gonna be playing it in like a c control deck, and I feel like there's so many threats you have to be aware of that keeping Jace alive might be a little bit more uh, difficult than than anticipated so yeah um all right cool so i think we've talked about a good number of topics for today i think uh because you know the format's going to be shaken up we're probably going to meet up again sooner rather than later just to take a look at what the format's gonna be like um there's a lot mm -hmm. of lot of expectations and predictions and things like that so i'm just gonna like, go in a circle here maybe like bob i'll start with you is uh, your prediction, what decks do you think will be very good um, week one? Yeah, on, honestly, I'm just super excited to play Legacy again. I took a little bit of a break for the past few months, and I just, you know, found everything kind of boring. But I think everything is is new and exciting again. Like, think about it. What we're really doing here is we're going back to the pre-fire days and then adding some new cards that are, like, really powerful, but maybe not just you know, absurdly broken like Oko and Arcanist were. Like, you know, we're adding Plague Engineer, Veil of Summer, Uro. Like, these are some of the most powerful cards, you know, we've seen, but they're not, like, absolutely bonkers crazy. So, and if you also think about pre-War of Spark, the format was fantastic. Post-Deathrite Band, there were, like, Maverick decks doing well. And I don't know. I just hope that there's a lot of diversity and interesting things to do. And that's, like, basically what's gotten me excited again. Like, I might try my Soltai Death Stack deck along with Delver. Um, there's just, like, lots of possibilities again. And maybe after, like, four or five months, we're back to the same place where it's like, oh, Grixis Delver is the best deck, and then X Blue Control deck's the best deck, and then everything else is, like, any given weekend, it can be fine. But in general, there's, like, three decks. Um, maybe we get to that point. I'm more optimistic since nothing seems, you know, absolutely nutso, but definitely Uro plus Carpet is a little bit scary um but yeah i don't know i guess i think eventually i will be scared of a delver deck and i will be scared of some sort of um Euro deck potentially but hopefully that doesn't end up being the case we'll see yeah i think um, in my opinion what seems like the biggest winner of the bands is kind of combo decks because combo decks have gotten really um how do you say i think combo decks got a lot of upgrades in the in the past year 
um, uh, like Stasis Oracle. I'm not a combo player myself, but I hear combo players say that's like one of the best combo win co conditions of all time. And I also think, like, if I had to pick one deck that I think seems pretty good, it's Blue Green Show and Tell, because it gets to play all, like Green has all these extremely powerful cards. It has Veil of Summer, it has Uro, and it has Carpet of Flowers. And then you just got to play a lean mana base because your deck is like basically mono blue splash and green. So like blue green show and tell seems like a deck that could do well. Also, one even additionally, one of the one of the biggest weaknesses to combo decks was Dreadhorde Arcanist because why would you play combo deck when your opponent could just play Dreadhorde Arcanist and now like like if you don't if you don't combo right away they got to untap and flash back a ponder and it feels really bad. So Arcanist was like basically abs absurd. Like Arcanist exploits the combo decks for not interacting with creatures because combo decks they don't play a lot of interaction. So if your opponent plays a card that you need to interact with that's two mana kind of really hurts your plan of not interacting. So I think, yeah, combo decks um, is, is what I think it might might thrive a lot in this under these new bands. So and blue green show and tell is like a pretty generic pick as it gets to play all the green cards or, uh, you know, so that, that's what I would say. Seems like it got a lot better. Yeah, that's actually the the pick that I, I wasn't going to say Delver. I wasn't going to say some sort of blue-based control deck. The kind of decks that I'm scared about right now are things like um, like Urza Echo, right? Like, this is the kind of deck that was struggling against, you know, the blue decks in the format, like, you know, Snowco and Rug Delver. Now that you plucked... Well, actually, it wasn't struggling against Snow, but, uh, you know, now that you've plucked Oko out of the format, that's a huge axis of uh, interaction. And I'm going to see... I, I expect to see, like, ultimately down the line, like, dedicated hate cards like Null Rod see a lot more play. Uh, just because, like... I feel like that's the only real way to sort of interact with, uh, you know, those kind of decks, right? You just have to have the card that crushes them. Things like Torpor Orb, I expect, I'm hoping, hoping to see against like DNT and and uh, Thassa's Oracle decks. I think those decks are going to get much better as well. Basically, like non-blue decks that have been getting like absolutely dumped on in the past year are, are probably going to come back in, in good capacity. Like Four Color Loam is another deck that I'm excited to see return into the format. Um, Punishing Fire is alive again. We didn't even get to touch on that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on here. Um, I'm mostly afraid of those decks more than anything else. Yeah, it's also large, largely in part because the blue decks just aren't figured out. I mean, Delver is going to win a lot of games just by virtue of being a Delver deck that has Days, Wasteland, Delver of Secrets, you know, Force of Will. The control decks, though, like, you know, the Miracles decks and stuff like that, I, I think they're going to lose a lot before they start winning. And, I mean, typically speaking, that's just the process for control, right? You have to figure out what you need to control first, and then you can get started on building a deck to beat it. And there's, like, a little bit of ground that you, we can work on, like some tools that we know we want to play, but I'm not very optimistic for the the control decks before I am these other yeah. decks, so... Uh. Yeah, one short thing about Nullrod is uh, when you have Green Sun, it is pretty impressive to get Collector Roof with Green Sun, though. I don't know if Green Sun will be good enough, but that's that's pretty good. Like, Green Sun's pretty good, pretty decent against the combo decks. You can get Leovold, and uh, and especially if you have Carpet, ramp it out. Leovold, Collector Roof is pretty good against the combo decks. So, Yep, cool. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, we'll be back again soon once we get a little bit more groundwork done. You know, just paving the... A little bit of the initial cement work. Uh, we'll see you guys again then for episode 22 next time. Bye-bye. See you guys.